So this episode's pretty good to expand your knowledge and perspective on what a relationship is and what it could be or should be or how it should be conducted and this and that and the other. It, it's very, it's going to expand the concept of how you think about your relationships in quite a positive manner, I'd say. And this woman in particular was pretty well at voicing her thoughts and opinions. So I hope you guys enjoy this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. So please rate the show if you can and enjoy. Yo, Jack Plex, answer the fucking phone, dude. polygamous relationship right uh polyamorous 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 so um really quick can you define for me polyamorous it's the act of being able to love and be with more than one person at the same time and when i say polygamy i i was under the impression that that would mean like you were in a defined relationship with three or more people well people have different definitions generally i more reserve the word polygamy for when marriage is involved polygamy is generally like a married couple having more partners polyamorous in itself is just kind of the umbrella term for it or just polyamory in general i guess this is another thing too because since i haven't talked to somebody who's been in this type of relationship like these terms like you know how the more that you learn about something because it's a part of you and you're interested in it you begin to adopt the terms more and more and so and such i feel like i'm going to be picking up quite a bit on that throughout this conversation but before we get into that i just want to ask really quick like tell me a little bit about yourself how was your childhood how's your relationship with your parents well i personally haven't had the easiest life growing up you know it's been a lot of challenges my parents got divorced when I was 14. I have a little brother and so it was just, it was a pretty big mess, but my parents, when their relationship was good, they were also in an open relationship and they never really like hid that fact. They were always very open to showing me different types of lifestyles and making them normalize, like, you know, being part of the LGBTQ community, different cultures and races and ethnicities and stuff like that. Like it, it was always very open. There was never really any subject that was taboo or like wrong for me to ask about. So in a sense, you would say both of your parents as individuals seem to be very open-minded and very willing to explain the world beyond normal means. Oh yeah, definitely. And do you think that that's helped cultivate the person that you are today? Yeah, 100%. They've definitely given me a very open world lens where, you know, I, I had a lot of options and there was nothing really that they didn't think I could do. You know, I was very fortunate. They never had a problem with me being bi. They never had a problem with me wanting to explore different religions and stuff like that. When you had spoken about the divorce that your parents had, prior to that time, were they talking to you about being in an open relationship at that stage in your life? They weren't like super in detail about it because I was still a child at the time. It was one of those things where I was kind of like, oh, why do you see this person a lot? And they're like, oh, well, we really like her. You know, we like spending a lot of time with her. Things like that. Just the way that you'd explain adult things to a child. 
Is it okay if I ask why they separated or a brief summary? Um, my mum fell on really hard times and she fell into drinking and stuff like that. So they ended up having to split because she just became a completely different person. Where we are today in present day, has she gotten any better? Yeah, she's gotten better. She's she's getting there. Um, she's definitely not the person that she was before she drank, but she is better and I'm still in contact with her. And you're still in contact with your father too, I presume? Uh, yeah, I've got a really good relationship with my dad. It seems like you have a good relationship with them both, but I guess the most stable one has been between you and your father. Uh, yeah. You know, you're 14, uh, this divorce happens, it affects you because obvi for obvious reasons, kind of tears apart the household and it kind of reshapes how your world works. And so you're growing up and so on and so forth. And tell me about your experiences with relationships, like a brief summary and how you realized that being polyamorous was the best thing for you? Well, I had been in several monogamous relationships or as close as you can get to a relationship at that age. One time I dated somebody for a little bit and they were sort of like, oh, like, would you want to try an open relationship? And, you know, I was like, well, I kind of know what it entails because my parents had it and so we tried it and I ended up really, really liking it and I went back to a monogamous relationship and really didn't enjoy it. <laughs> um, and then I met one of my current partners and right from the get-go we were talking about it and I sort of said to her like, oh, I, I really want to try polyamory again. And she was super open to the idea. We had always been in agreement that if we met somebody we really liked that we would try it and then we did. And so when it comes to this, I, I feel like uh, or a lot of people have a lot of concepts lined up in their heads to try to deflate or to try to almost argue against polygamy and being polyamorous in a sense that, I mean, as we both know, it's a huge construct in the world that, you know, monogamy is the way to go. And for some people it is, depending on just who you are as a person, and for some people it isn't. But a lot of people have this idea that it should be a certain way. And in that case, what would you say to somebody who would say that? Well, everybody has their own idea of what's right and wrong. I've always particularly been under the idea that you should never, even in a monogamous relationship, you should never expect your partner to be the only person to give you everything you need. I think that that idea has been really integrated into our society as normal and what you should expect. And I don't agree with it at all. Even just friends and family, I think it's really important to have somebody else giving you love. And I think having another partner is just more love and it splits up the inherent responsibility of a relationship for you and that other person you don't feel like you have to be their sole person you know that gives them everything innately right humans are communal creatures we seek community we seek to be able to communicate with each other the thing about language though and the, the thing about communicating with each other and of language is that obviously language in and of itself that we're using to communicate right now is a stream of consciousness, but it takes a lot of effort. Even during this conversation right now, it's taking a lot of effort for me to stream it directly to you in a way that you can understand. And we're talking yeah. about things that aren't necessarily emotionally in depth for either of us. It's just a regular conversation about how this works for you. And even then that's a lot of effort. So when it comes to things like relationships where you have to talk about um, your emotions in depth and so on and so forth. It can be very tiring in a sense. So do you think that a polyamorous relationship helps you maintain emotional stability much more or is it even more difficult? I'd say it depends on the person. It's definitely 
not for everyone. It takes a lot to be emotionally vulnerable with one person, let alone two, or in my case, three. It, it is definitely not for the faint-hearted. It's the same happiness and love and support and romance that you get from one relationship, just amplified. But it's also the difficulties and arguments and negotiations and sacrifices of a relationship amplified. So it's just about balance, really. It takes a lot. You should definitely already be inherently emotionally stable before you attempt to upkeep multiple relationships. Between the four of you, so is it okay if I ask exactly, like, you know, how the communication works between the four of you guys? There is me and my two girlfriends. The three of us are in what's called a triad. We're all dating each other, essentially. We all live together. We see each other every day. It's pretty much just what you would expect from a monogamous relationship, just with an extra person involved. With my other partner, he is long distance. He lives in Australia. My partners know him and they talk to him as a friend, but they're not dating him. I'm dating him. It's all very open and honest and we're always making sure that everybody's comfortable with what's happening. When a new thing happens in my new relationship, I have to make sure with my other partners that they're okay with it and discuss boundaries. He's coming to visit next month and I've already had a conversation with the girls about, you know, what they're comfortable with, what they want me to do, where he can sleep, which is with me, how splitting food bills is going to work, stuff like that. So it's all very open and honest. And when it comes to like, what is it, five love languages, would you say that it's more emotionally taxing in the sense that you have to adhere to each person's different love languages at all times? Or do you think that, like you said, since you're already emotionally stable enough, this is something that you have no problem upkeeping with? With the girls, we've been together for about a year now. So it's gotten a lot easier. Adding a new person to the mix has certainly jumbled things around a little bit. I've sort of got to reevaluate all of my emotions and start redirecting energy. It's it's definitely not easy at the start, but once you get used to it, it comes naturally, I'd say, yeah. It does take a lot of effort though. How do dates work, for example? So do all of you guys go out at once or sometimes is it like two people? Sometimes it's all of us. Sometimes it's just two people. So in, in a triad specifically, there are four relationships you need to look after. There's the relationship between A and B, the relationship between A and C, the relationship between B and C, and the relationship between A, B, and C all together. <laughs> um, so it's essentially upkeeping four relationships, which is a lot. Each of them, you need to make sure that they're having, you know, things can't always be equal, but you've got to make sure they're, they're getting fair attention and care that you're not neglecting somebody, which does happen and it will happen. It's just impossible to always keep everything fair. We all have our own bedrooms, so we have a loose sleeping schedule where two people will sleep together, then the next two people, then the next two people, then we'll all sleep together. Sometimes we'll all sleep alone. It's certainly a unique way of living to most people, but it's it's nice. I mean, is it okay if I ask about how the bedroom works in terms of sex between the three of you guys? Oh yeah, it, it's pretty much the same, you know, it, it's kind of just whenever 
whoever feels like what with who, you know, it's not really, we don't really keep a schedule. Um, <laughs> it's more just like, you know, if two people are sleeping together and they feel like doing things, then they'll do things. If all three of us feel like doing something, we'll do something. And of course, I'm a bit limited on what I can do with my other partner because he's not here physically, but that does get care as well. You know, it's really interesting the way that you talk about this, because as I mentioned before, this idea that people like to push about how monogamy is a absolutist concept in the sense that it is right or it is the correct thing to do. You seem very just chill. Your readiness and your answers just clearly displays, I mean, at, at a base level, if you just think about that idea of monogamy being like the main or only way to go, you can already see that it's kind of flawed because, you know, individuals are different. Uh, we're raised mm. differently so on and so forth, so, too many factors to name. But the nonchalantness in which you're describing the relationship shows how emotionally possible it is, I would say. Yeah, it's definitely possible. I think the main reason that polyamory was such just a ready concept for me was I was not, I was quite difficult to love when I was younger. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat that. I had undiagnosed mental health issues that I wasn't getting the proper treatment for and I was just, like, deteriorating. And it's just... Mo most couples break up because they can't meet each other's needs. They can't meet all of each other's needs. And that's the expectation, you know. They have to meet all your needs, or at least enough of them, for you to stay with them. And if they don't, then you break up and what's really beautiful about polyamory is that you can still be with that person that you love while also getting your needs met elsewhere because not everybody has that capacity like just like me mentally some people just don't have the capability wired in their brains to love more than one person you know i think it's definitely possible for the vast majority of people they just need to be open to the idea when you had talked about the undiagnosed mental illnesses is it okay if i ask which ones uh yeah um borderline personality disorder it's sort of like bipolar disorder just a little less intense i guess um you know very black and white thinking it's built on abandonment trauma black and white thinking abandonment trauma it's also um it, it has something to do with your sense of self too no mm -hmm. like i forget exactly how it's phrased but the sense of self is always in flux almost the ego of the individual yeah it's yeah again drawing back to that black and white thinking there is like pure what is it megalomania i think is what it's called and then there's just straight up depression and body dysmorphia you either really really hate yourself and you think you're the worst person in the world or you have a god complex and you think nothing can touch you there's not really much in between we're, we're gonna get back to the polyamory in a little bit but so really quick back just back to the ppd how did you manage to find help in order to get to a place where you feel like you're this emotionally mature it really just came naturally to me where one of my therapists mentioned you know hey, I think you could have BPD, I think you should look into it. And I looked into it and it's just kind of, everything fell into place in a way where I'm like, oh, okay, so this this makes a lot of sense. Um, and, you know, I, I looked at ways to cope with it and I talked to other people about it who had BPD. I, it just, I don't really know, it just kind of came naturally. I just kind of got better 
um, myself. And did you ever take any medication or are you on any medication or you managed to find a way how to mitigate it on your own? For the most part, I managed to do it without medication. I was on medication for a couple of years when I was little. I was diagnosed with an anxiety disorder uh, when I was quite young. I think I was five or six and I was medicated for that, but I came off of it. Um, I stopped taking it when I was a teenager, I think, is um, because I was a defiant teenager and I just, I didn't want any help of any kind. And so I just kind of got better by myself. I refused medication. And only recently have I gotten back on medication for my anxiety as, you know, all of the other issues are dealt with. Now I can focus on the smaller ones. Is it okay if I ask if you have any idea of where the origin might have come or do you think it was biological or do you think it might have had had something to do with the divorce when you were little and it might have emotionally impacted you quite a bit? I, I have a lot of abandonment trauma from when I was young. Um, you know, my parents weren't as present as they could have been, um, which isn't their fault. When my little brother was very young, he was diagnosed with cancer. So all of their attention just kind of went on to him. And um, then, you know, pretty much straight after that recovery, my mum fell into her drinking. So my dad was then focused on that. So I was just kind of left alone for a lot of it. And I got into really unhealthy relationships with much older men when I was in my early teens. And then, you know, they would leave and take advantage of me and it just kind of all snowballed from there. It was just a lot at once. It kind of solidified the idea that, you know, everybody's going to leave eventually, so why don't I just turn into a horrible person that nobody wants to be with anyway, you know? As a self-defense mechanism. Yeah. Is it okay if I ask how your brother's doing? Oh, he's, he's well recovered. He's been in remission for two years? Three years? So he's doing well. Is he still young or is he grown up at this point? Uh, he's turning 11 soon. I'm glad. I'm glad that he turned out okay. Very, very glad. And it seems as though, you know, that must have put a lot of stress on your parents. So now I have like a really good picture, I feel like, of just the generalness of what was going on at that point in time. And also yeah. it definitely makes sense too about how, well, almost in a messed up way about how you were trying to at that point in your life when you were talking to these older men because when when you're not getting the attention that you need at that point in your life and you had the internet available to you it just makes sense that at that point in time you know go online and that'd be pretty much first thing that's available I would say I'm not the first young girl and I definitely won't be the last do you feel like some type of like disdain or regret about that I definitely feel a lot of guilt not because I necessarily think it was my fault but more it's just like I'm I feel guilty that I did that uh, but m for the most part my heart just breaks for you know the young girl who was just scared and wanted love I think it's definitely on the men who did that um, they knew what they were doing a hundred percent and I had no idea what I was doing you know I didn't really understand the gravity of what was happening I just knew that people wanted me in some way or another and I wasn't really getting that anywhere else. And so can you tell me a little bit about how you met your current partners today? Was that online too or was that in person? It was in person. I cosplay um, so I got to go to a lot of conventions and this particular convention I went to I met one of my current girlfriends. We had a pretty pretty base level interaction just saying hi. I was walking around with one of our mutual friends 
and he introduced me to her. We followed each other on social media and just kind of started passively talking. And then we started talking more and more and more until eventually we were just kind of like, hey, do you want to get a hotel together for the next convention? And so we did, and we started dating that weekend. Um, I actually took her to meet my mum <laughs> the, the day after we started dating, um, and my mum loves her. And then about a month later, um, I moved in with her. Uh, we've been living together for a little over a year now. So that was the first partner. It's two more, right? Yeah. The second partner was actually had been my girlfriend's friend for a while. Um, well before she met me, and she came over for uh, some for a D and D a Dungeons and Dragons session, um, and I thought she was really cute. And after she left, I talked to my girlfriend. I was like, "Hey, I I really like her." And then after a few more times of her coming over, we kind of floated the idea past her, and she agreed. A f few months later, we moved in all of us together. As for the third partner, I met him online through a Discord server with some mutual friends. We found out we were the same age. I'm actually a couple of months older than him. And it, it all just kind of happened really suddenly. We just kind of were like, hey, I think you're cute. Hey, do you want a date? Hey, do you want to book a flight to come visit me? And that's happening soon. So yeah, it all just kind of happened really fast. It seems as though you live a very creative life in the sense of going to these conventions, I believe you had said, and also cosplaying. Mm -hmm. And Dungeons and Dragons too, which I love. Dungeons and Dragons is so good for the imagination. And just everything else that you said too is very, very good for the imagination. So I think it makes sense that you like all that stuff, considering the fact that you know, you have to be open-minded. Uh, you were open-minded kind of the way that your parents yeah. raised you and then open and emotionally and open-minded in the sense that you're in the polyamorous relationship too. So I actually think that the more creative you are, the more open you are to these types of ideas on how to handle relationships and so on and so forth. Yeah, um, my bo both my partners that I live with were all very into D&D. One of them's an artist. The other one is a pretty avid gamer. I'm also an avid gamer. We all cosplay. We're all into very, very creative subjects, so to speak. And my other partner, who lives in Australia, is also a very, very creative person. He games, he's got hobbies he's really passionate about. We're both super into history. So it's just like, um, I've never met, and other polyamorous friends I have as well are similar. I've never really met somebody who's not super, super like creative just in their whole everyday life. So it seems like you're all about contextualizing the world and imagining new aspects to it, it seems. Hmm. Do I have any more questions? I don't know. It's just so simple and plain cut. I feel like <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a lot of people tend to overcomplicate it, really, especially after this oh, conversation. Yeah. It's a lot simpler than people try to make it. I, I wouldn't say being in a poly polyamorous relationship is simple by any means. It's definitely, again, not for the faint-hearted. It takes a lot of effort, but it's definitely worth it. And it's not like this super overblown thing i think most people who think that it's super super like complex and difficult would probably already find it difficult to be in a monogamous relationship if you're just really loving and baseline kind 
you know, not everybody has the capacity to do that with multiple people. But, you know, it's it's definitely not like a super complicated thing. You know, you don't have to jump through a million hoops or anything. There is one topic I was going to bring up and it actually floated by my mind because we actually didn't talk about it, which leads me to believe that there isn't much of <laughs> this. But is there any like jealousy that you find yourself having or that your partners may find having between this disparity of attention that just naturally happens? Oh, absolutely. I, I'd say jealousy is just as prevalent in a polyamorous relationship as it is in a, in a monogamous one. It's, it's just about communicating that and figuring out ways to make it work. Say, for example, one of my partners that I live with think that I'm spending too much time on like, my phone or on the computer talking to my other partner you know they'd say that to me like hey I think you're spending too much time with this person I would prefer if you would spend a little more time maybe watching a show with me or maybe we should go out somewhere it's just about reassurance and just seeking and giving the support that the other person needs and putting your effort where you're asked to you know, it's the same as a monogamous relationship in the sense that you can't know that a problem's there unless somebody brings it up for you. I think that's the most important thing to have a strong sense of before you go into polyamory is communication. You need to be really, really good at communicating your feelings and being honest, even when it's difficult, because you will get jealous and getting jealous doesn't mean that the lifestyle isn't for you. Say not being able to handle that jealousy in a healthy way would mean that the lifestyle isn't for you. So I find that in my daily life, I have a couple of hobbies that I have in order to release that uh, stress or excess mm -hmm. jealousy or whatever negative emotion I may have from whatever may have possibly happened in the past couple of days. How do you find yourself releasing these emotions or these negative emotions in a healthy way? It's honestly the same thing. Um, for example, if my girlfriends are out on a date without me, um, then and I'm feeling jealous and lonely, you know, I have the extra layer of having another partner that I could go talk to. But, you know, it's not the best idea to make that the norm because you don't want that person to just be a release for your loneliness from the other partners. You know, I don't just go hang out with my girlfriends because my boyfriend's not available. I tend to distract myself. I watch videos. I clean the house. I take a nap sometimes. I game, participate in my hobbies, distracting myself. Um, it's really important to still spend time by yourself, which is a lot harder when you have three people to pay attention to. Um, but again, drawing back to that communication... You know, I've pre-warned all of my partners, you know, I'm going to need some space coming up because there's a lot going on and I just need some time to myself. Um, and it's really important to be able to ask for that because if you don't have time by yourself, you will get burnt out and it will affect everybody. Self-awareness is not a, it's not that valuable of a trait in a sense that it's valuable because you know yourself and how something will affect you, but it's one thing to have self-awareness and it's another thing to actually act on it. But it seems as though you actively act on it day to day in, in the relationship, how you were talking about how you cannot let this other person become a release for you and so and such. It seems as though you kind of uh, sit down and you really do dissect your emotions. And what's crazy too is that this emotional maturity should just be more prevalent, not even, I think it's definitely 
something that you have maybe because you've been in a polyamorous relationship but even beyond that i think that that emo level of emotional maturity is completely attainable out that just by kind of like thinking about yourself and how you do things would you say that your parents gave you this emotional maturity or was it yourself through therapy i'd say it was a, a clean mix of both you know um seeing my parents relationship working as well as it did while things were good you know the the only reason they ever broke up was for you know forces outside of their control i think you know if my mum had gotten a handle on her drinking like much sooner then i think they would absolutely still be together they had their own bedrooms from before i was born actually they were really open about their own lifestyles like my mum's bisexual they were always really open about everything and I think that that really really helped solidify healthy expectations for relationships not only with partners but for friends and um, family and I also think that a lot of that emotional maturity came from figuring things out on my own I think I definitely grew up a lot faster than I should have as do a lot of people in my generation I think um, with everything going on right now so yeah, it's like, I think my parents definitely did have a good factor in that, as did my therapists, but I don't want to discount like my own personal growth. You know, I think I had the main part in it. For anybody who's listening, do you have general advice for how anybody should approach life? Um, I'd say just approach it really openly. Don't discount things or lifestyles just because you've never experienced it yourself if there's a lifestyle you don't agree with such as you know being gay or being polyamorous i'd say talk to somebody who is as you said there's like a predisposed notion of polyamory and it seems a lot more complicated than it is and i'm sure that's the case for a lot of things you know they seem really confusing and scary and if you've been brought up to dislike it then you know it's all all you know i'd say just being open to everything is really really powerful being able to say no to something that you personally have experienced is totally valid and if you don't ever want to try something that's fine you know if somebody is doing something that you don't agree with as long as it doesn't affect you i don't think i don't think you should judge that and i just think that you know live and let live you know <laughs>